Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of LaRouge Rugby. We have lots to talk about, uh, lots to talk about. You know, the New Zealand thumped and stomped Canada, featuring a uh, fantastic Bowden family trashing. We have to talk about the Springboks game that's happening tomorrow morning. Lots to talk about there. And also, a little bit of uh, homeland news is the Wolfpack uh, rugby league team f- won and are now being promoted to Super League. So lots of things to talk about. But Derek, the first thing we're going to talk about, and I don't want to talk about it because I feel like it's just been said so much between the two of us. But what happened in that game against the All Blacks? Uh, well, for starters, the All Blacks arrived safely to the stadium, and that seemed like that was not a great thing for Canada. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's, they played the All Blacks. It's not, I sent out a tweet at like halftime where I was actually like, Canada's actually not playing that bad. Um, which apparently some folks didn't agree with, but like, I still think like watching, watching the first half of the game, like they weren't playing that bad. It was just, they're playing the All Blacks. You're playing the best team in the world. You're playing a team that's significantly above your level. Um, if the all if Canada brings their best game to the table, like they're still not going to be able to match up with the All Blacks at like fifty percent. And it's like if the All Blacks from if the All Blacks show up for the game, they're going to beat Canada. Like it's mm-hmm. um, you know, I World Rugby had those rules in place. If there was any uh, you know um, you know weather weather conditions that were going to result in the cancellation of games, and that. Like the fact that it was, you know, th- th- that the game was played, um, it just like Canada was gonna lose if they were played. Um, super, super stoked that Bowden Barrett dropped that ball at the end, so Canada covered the spread, so we could get that small victory. Um, you know, this didn't didn't lose by over sixty five. Um, I feel like that's gotta suck for anybody that uh, bet some money on New Zealand that had to against the spread there, but. Uh, Oh well, like why are you betting on that game? But I mean, they they just Canada didn't do anything in this game that I thought was like worse um, than what they normally play, despite what the scoreline says. It's just they had to do it against the All Blacks. Um, when you know, there's certain things that they Canada we've identified like what at least we believe um, like are some weaknesses with the Canadian team, and it's just they just like. All Blacks just make those weaknesses look so much worse. And I think that's all that really happened. It's, you know, uh, Canada's line-out has been something that they've been trying to work on a lot um, just because, you know, it has been underperforming. Uh, but, you know, when your line-out now, now you're going against Kieran Reed in the line-out. Like, he's going to have a field day with you if your line-out's not, like, on point, right? So... One thing that I want to point out too, and uh, this is this is Dan being pessimistic, like like a lot of the times. But mm-hmm. you know, normally when you come into a game with New Zealand uh, or a team like the Springboks or Italy, like teams that Canada has played and will play tomorrow, is you want to get out a learning experience because, mm-hmm. like you said, <laughs> barring a hurricane, like there was really no way that that or that uh, Canada was coming out of this a win. So you want to send your best players in saying... They wouldn't even hey, win. It would be a 0-0 tie. With the, exactly. Yeah, but but uh, you want them going in saying, hey, we're going to learn something out of this, and this is going to make us better rugby players. 
Yeah, Pessimistic I- Dan is saying, boy, there's a lot of really old guys that started in this game or, you know, are an important part of Canada's uh, national team right now. And they will not be around in the next game. So it worries me that maybe in this game they didn't take a different approach in terms of who was in the, the lineup. Just for that reason that, yeah, I mean, you know, guys like DTH and Tyler Ardra and, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're all getting this chance to play against the All Blacks is a great accomplishment and being able to say that yeah. you're on the field the same as the best team in the world and in history. But it d- doesn't do a whole lot for the, the program in terms of where, where does this take it to the next step? And, you know, my question f- for you now, Derek, is it could be an older guy, it could be a younger guy, but does anyone, did anyone stand out in that game that really, like, gives you positive saying – this is someone that we can, this is something we can work on. This is something that they obviously clicked in this game and it's going to be something that's positive for the program. Uh, yeah, I think, I think to start though, it's like, you know, I mean, like, I think like when we've discussed obviously the, the lineup decisions a lot on this podcast and I think it's just, you know, I think we're at that point where now that we're in the middle of the world cup, that you just kind of have to accept that this is what the lineup is. So it's like, you know, kind of going back to being like, because it's like, yeah, you could put some younger guys in, but that like, you know, if you wanted like Will Priscillier to get some experience or whatever, but it's like, you know, he got, he wasn't part of camp and stuff. So it's like, you know, it's like some of those guys, it's like, they're, they're not, they're not around. So it's like, you can't, um, but I think, I think, in I think in any, like, I mean, you know, if you have to kind of like look at it, the like to me, I kind of look at it the other way, and it's just if you're a player on Team Canada or if you're Kingsley Jones, like you got to try. Um, you have to actually, you know, it's like you got to like it's one thing for us to be like going into this game or like us or the odds makers going in this game being like Canada's going to get killed, but like nobody actually in the Canadian dressing room should be thinking we're going to go get killed. Um, like, you know what I mean? Like you kind of have to actually, you still have to put your best foot forward and actually try. Um, and I think, you know, going into the, the all, this game against the all blacks is the second game of the, uh, was the second game of the world cup for Canada. So it's like, they're not like eliminated yet. So, I mean, I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind any like, you know, throwing out like your best players for the all blacks, just because it's like in theory, like, I mean, if, you know, maybe if the Canada plays the All Blacks a thousand times, they win nine. The All Blacks win nine hundred and ninety nine of them. But you know, maybe maybe somewhere out there, there's the chance that we could have saw that one. Um, so I think you kind of got to put your best foot forward with the lineups in these types of games, anyways. Um, to, for as far as somebody that stands out, though, I thought Lucas Rumble was outstanding in this game, um, considering like you know Canada had to play um, a lot of defense. Um, largely because when they did get the ball, they would box kick it away. And if Bowden Barrett didn't turn that into a try in under 30 seconds, they had to play defense. <laughs> um, but it's, but, uh, like I thought Rumble was awesome. He had a uh, night, you know, a game, game leading 19 tackles. He only missed one of them. Um, and you know, he had a 95 tackle success rate. I think, I think only Kieran Reed. And I think there was one other all black that had like over 10 tackles with a hundred percent. Um, but, uh, like I can't, I can't off the top of my head, remember who that second all black was, but Kieran Reed had a really good game too. Um, but for Lucas rumble to kind of be like putting up, 
like those kind of stats against the All Blacks is pretty outstanding. Um, you know, with ball in hand too, he actually, you know, he, you know, he followed up uh, in support of McCrory, got a nice pass from McCrory, carried on, and then had the offload that kind of sprung Nelson for his huge break, which, you know, ultimately ended up being Canada's best scoring chance of the game. Um, and then, you know, after Nelson got tackled, Rumble got. You know, Rumble made his way down the park, got involved in the at the breakdown, and ended up drawing a penalty against Kieran Reed as well, which I mean did again set up another opportunity for Canada to score. New Zealand defense um, shut it down, um, but you know it was, there was a lot of things that Rumble was you know in a game where you kind of lose sixty three to nothing. Um, it's like Rumble's game was. I thought to me was like the most like positively impactful. Uh, I also really like Matt Heaton. I thought, you know, Heaton had uh, definitely struggled against Italy. Um, yellow card had the, uh, the dropped uh, that dropped pass that got turned into like memes across all forms of social media. Um, but uh, you know, if he, I thought he bounced back with some, uh, with a really solid game. He was really good in defense again today too. Um, it's just, uh, I thought, you know, it's, those those were the two guys that really kind of stuck out for me. It's like you know, in a game that you know you're very very one sided game, um, that you know kind of stuck out as actually putting in forward like uh, a positive effort, positive results on the pitch. Okay, and I, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, Rumble was it just had a class like, act game. Yeah, like honestly, like. I, like, I, I love that Lucas Rumball is a Toronto Arrow, but like sometimes, like even watching him in MLR, watching him play for Canada and stuff, he had a game at the Repishage tournament where uh, one of the commentators con- uh, compared him to Richie McCaw. And I was, um, but uh, like it, it was like there's some times where it's like I love that Lucas Rumball is a Toronto Arrow. Um, and I, I, but sometimes I'm just like, man, do, do we need to find a better league for this guy to play in sometimes? Um, yeah, where, where's his but, progression going to happen? Yeah, it's like sometimes, like, yeah, exactly. And it was just, you know, he went into, like, he, he just showed up to a game against the All Blacks and was easily easily the best Canadian player on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, and it showed. And, like, that's a Canadian team that includes, like, DTH Vandermerver and Tyler Ardron. Um you know, and you could honestly look at this game and be like, uh, uh, Lucas Rumble was the best player in a Canadian jersey. Um, and that, and like I said, that includes the guy that plays super rugby against all black players on a regular basis. Um, yeah. so, um, so yeah, I mean, like he next year, uh, for the MLR, uh, I think Toronto Arrows fans have a lot to get excited about with Rumble. Um, you know, he he was away for the uh, the ARC. Um, for most of the year, when he came back, he got injured, uh, missed the rest of this uh, good chunk of the season just due to ARC and injury. Um, so I think, you know, the, the arrows will be a different like it's going to be a much better team just on the basis that Lucas Rumble um, is in theory going to be healthy all year next year. Um, so I mean that's uh, you know, and watching him play against the All Blacks, it's like man, if he if he can put put together a game like that with the All Blacks, it's like. Uh, like Rugby United New York or uh, San Diego Legion is gonna gonna have a big problem on their hands. And I think too, I mean, we'll be looking forward to Matt Heaton and uh, with Rugby ATL. I mean, one of the worst names for a team in rugby, but that's okay. We're gonna just blow hey, past that. You know what though? It's memorable. 
Don't no, nobody's don't, forgetting this. It's memorable. Don't give them any benefit of the doubt with that name. It's that and Rooney. You know what though? That it's it's one of those. It's like they probably get like it's one of those things. Sometimes though, it's like yeah, they're like it's like th- th- maybe it's a bad name, but you wouldn't have felt the need to like point out the Houston SaberCats name if we were talking about that and like comment about what you think about the name. So it's like by doing that, now we've spent a minute of this podcast talking about rugby ATL. Is this like no like all any publicity is good publicity? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like we're kind of we're talking about it right now, right? Uh, uh, yeah. So, anyways, anyways. Uh, moving on, so we have a few more questions about the All Blacks, and this one is is been one that I've been rallying my brain around. I think I have a few opinions about it, but uh, can anyone really stop the All Blacks in this tournament, uh, Derek? You know, who really has the best chance to stop them? Because, you know, at the beginning of the tournament, we said that maybe it was a Springboks, and then you know, Springboks kind of laid an egg in their first game against the All Blacks. So quarterfinals, semifinals, the World Cup final, who do you think's got the best chance to really stop these guys? Well, Namibia looked pretty good for half an hour. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, I thought, honestly, it's like maybe I I went, like, Namibia did did play really well. Like, that wasn't, uh, like, they, they were kind of playing out of their minds um, uh, for that first half an hour before the All Blacks did eventually pull away. And I think... Would the final end up being in that game, 71-9, something like that? Yes. Um, but it was like, what, 10-9 after half an hour. Um, but, I mean, like, Namibia Namibia did something intelligent, I think, which was just if they got the ball in the All Blacks end and the All Blacks took a penalty, they would, you know, they stepped up and just took the points. And they were able to, you know, without even scoring a try, they were able to hang hang in the game with the All Blacks for a little bit. Um, they're, they're uh, you know, they just kind of attacked them at the breakdown. So, you know, maybe maybe Namibia just kind of showed a blueprint to some teams, um, you know, and uh, I still think, you know, I'll, I'll go back to like, you know, our, our World Cup sort of preview show. Um, I still think South Africa can beat them. Um, South Africa, they, it's not like this, they blew out South Africa or anything. It's like they just won the game. Um, I think South Africa has been playing really well. I think we might, you know, Canada's going to kind of see the the extent of like the talent that their depth has tomorrow. Um, obviously there's a lot of like South Africa still really needs to win this game. Um, just on the basis that in theory, Italy can upset the All Blacks. Um, so South Africa does need to win this game in order to actually lock up um, a top two spot. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, it's, but at the same time, you know, they, they clearly have eyes on the knockout stages right now and are kind of, you know, there's a bit of a, uh, uh, like a bit of like a lot of their second or third choice guys are kind of starting. Um, but Ken should definitely see like their play style and like the full, uh, what their depth can bring. Uh, and I think, I think that th- this team can still beat the All Blacks. Um, as far as, you know, another, like, I don't know, I don't know if there's a team in the Northern Hemisphere that can do it though. You don't think Wales or England has a shot? I mean, England's, England's played very well. You know, he made, they made they made England or they made the U.S. look pretty pedestrian. You know, I think that uh, they might have a chance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I mean I, I, England, England and Wales are definitely definitely contenders to be able to do it. I mean, Japan just kind of smoked Ireland, so uh, like we could like I I don't know if you if you're losing to Japan, I don't know what your hopes are against the All Blacks, but uh, 
Port Ireland, though, if uh, Japan actually beats Scotland and takes the group, they get the All Blacks in the uh, the first round of the in the quarterfinal here. So uh, the curse the curse may continue. Um, but yeah. I think, yeah, like, yeah, 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 no, they do. yeah, they, they do. Ireland has not played a semifinal game. It's just that's the actual stat um, in rugby. They played the same semifinal games as Canada and Namibia have. So, um, but it's, ah, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be. I think South Africa is going to beat them. I think they can like looking at their kind of schedule. They got to probably play Ireland. Then in the semifinal, they might have to play England or Wales. Um, but it's like, I, I don't know. I think South Africa's play style, the way like the like the speed that Faf de Klerk gets the ball out of the breakdowns, if they can actually, if they get down into the New Zealand, in New Zealand end, um, like they can use their scrum or their lineouts to kind of, because uh, their their set piece is argue, is better than New Zealand's. It's probably, their set piece is probably the best in the world at it. Um, so, I mean, they even kind of showed that against Italy when you actually even took away that uh, that scrum weapon for them that they don't even need it. Um, so it's uh, that's that's kind of my my pick to actually beat the All Blacks because I think like they, I think they're the one of the few teams that can kind of play the All Blacks game and actually hang with them. And then if they get the chance to kind of impose their own will at the set piece, they can actually you know turn that into some points. I agree with you. I mean, I think that's that. I did say that they laid a goose egg, and I mean, and most of that was just South Africa not being able to take their their offensive chances and capitalize on it. Yeah. Uh, I think, but I still think that they they do have the the best shot. Uh, I also do think that Wales though has a pretty good chance at it as well. Um, I think that the the speed in which they play the game and how defensively sound they are, it will be, uh, it would be an interesting matchup to watch. Um, but the, my last question about New Zealand and about Canada is is one that I've seen people kind of talk about in, in different situations is you have the ability to put one current All Black onto this Canadian roster. Who would you put? And I know I, I know for me, uh, it would be Sonny Bill Williams. And I think one of the reasons why is I think one of the things that Canada lacks is a just bonafide playmaker. And, and I think you just, centers. And centers. And that's, yeah, that's right. And I think that, I mean, you could look at Bowden Barrett, uh, putting him either at the 10 or the 15 jersey, but I just think that with such poorness in our in our um, uh, centers bank, you know, I think that having having someone like, like uh, SBW in there making amazing plays and passes like that, like, some of the plays he made in that game were fantastic. I think that he would be someone that I would love to see in a Canadian jersey. What about you? Who would be someone that you would want to see from this current roster on the team? Well, it's like whenever people ask this question, it's kind of like – I think it's kind of funny because it's like like the answer is any of them. Like if you, you could like just put all their names in a hat, draw the name out of the hat, and they're an upgrade on whoever they replace on Team Canada. Um but, you know, I think, like, there's there's some, like, the All Blacks are the best team in the world for a lot of reasons. Part of that reason is because they have, you know, the 31 of potentially the best players in the world. Um, I always, like, I always kind of thought, like, TJ Perinera, um is kind of funny because it's, like, he's probably a top three scrum half in the world. And he's the backup on New Zealand, right? So, like, you, I think, um, 
so it's like there's there's obviously a lot you can choose from. I think though, like you said, it's like I would um, I kind of agree with your assessment of if you're gonna do this, maybe go after one of the centers. Uh, you know, Sonny Bill Williams, Crotty, Goodhue, um, any of those guys, uh, you can kind of like mix into that. Um, because you know, that's obviously one of Canada's weaker areas. I mean, I think, you know, you can go with Aaron Smith or Paranera, get a, that's a big scrum half upgrade, which we need. Um, and you know, obviously Bowden Barrett's, you know, the best player in the world. You can put him at, put him at 10, you can put him at 10, 15. Um, but I think, I think just because I love watching him play so much and he actually played good enough to bump Bowden Barrett out of his position, his normal position would be Richie Mwanga. Because he's, I mean, obviously, like you said, like Canada's fly half, we're kind of, we're playing a guy that normally plays fullback at fly half. The Shane O'Leary, who's an actual fly half, doesn't even get into games. Um, but, you know, Moonga, I think, would fit, uh, would kind of go in there. And I think he does kind of fit into your, you know, get like a nice playmaker and stuff. Some of those, some of the plays Moonga made against Canada and like against anybody this year are kind of crazy. Um, also, though, the one thing, too, which Moonga does that, you know, Canada kind of is lacking on sometimes is he's a very accurate kicker, um, which is also something that Canada really needs. Um, but, you know, if you were to give if any All Black decides to change citizenship, um, I will be more than happy to have any of them. That's I'll be more sure. than happy to get uh, if Nagani Luampe, man. If you're if you're upset about being cut, we won't cut you. No the center, come up here. No, that is yeah, for exactly. Sure. If you're, you know, if you want to pull like, um, like uh, Kaylee Humphreys and be like, hey, I'm upset with this organization in this one country. I'm going to go to another one. We'll take you, man. We'll take you. It's there's a very select amount of people that got that joke, but the ones that yeah. did are laughing. The ones that did are are giggling. Yeah, giggling. exactly. All right. Well, we're going to move on now from the All Blacks because it hurt talking about it makes my heart hurt too much. Uh, the next thing we are going to talk about, though, is Canada has a game tomorrow at mm-hmm. 6.15 in the morning, and it is against the Springboks. So, you know, out of the frying pan and into the fire for uh, the men in red. So there are a couple of uh, roster lineup changes. Uh, in the forward pack, Andrew Quatrin gets his first start, not only in the World Cup, but his first start with the national team in an actual cap. So that's very, very exciting for, for Andrew. We saw him kind of develop with the Arrows this year, and we're really excited to watch him play. Kyle Honestly, Bailey. How, how cool is that to be, like, your first two international, like, international caps at the World Cup are the All Blacks and the Springboks? It's like your first World Cup games against the All Blacks, your first World Cup starts the Springboks. Yeah, like, and I think... Welcome to the biggest stage in the world, Andrew. Yeah, we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but really... Uh, Quatrin and, and Mike Shepard are really, like, the two guys that, like, benefited the most from the Arrows and, like, really won their got, – got their spot onto the national team. Like, everyone else that, that played – that's on this Arrows uh, roster that, that are with Rugby Canada right now, they're playing for Canada beforehand. So, yeah. really, these guys didn't get their caps until they either played for the Toronto or Ontario Arrows. So, really, like, if you talk about, like, homegrown – Developed with MLR with the arrows, Quatrin is really that that guy. So it's really great to see yeah. him get his chance. And I mean, like uh, Shepard too. Like Shepard's first caps were the Repechage tournament last year, and mm-hmm. then he got on the ARC, but then he kind of got sent home early. Um, and then you know, but then you know, he had an unreal, like unreal, like 
like final like three quarters of his season. Yeah. Um, especially the home half when they came to Toronto, he was played out of his mind, and I think yeah. probably played his way back. Like if you know, if after say some of those ARC games, if King Louis Jones was thinking maybe we don't take this guy, um, he definitely played his way back onto the roster. Um, uh, like yeah, so they're definitely yeah. I agree with you. They're the two guys that benefited the most there. Um, Kyle Bailey gets his first uh, game in after uh, dealing with some injuries. Uh, so he is starting at the, the five jersey with Evan Olmstead in the engine room. So excited to see him back into the lineup. Uh, Phil Mack will be starting at the nine jersey, which is exciting. I've always been a big fan of Phil Mack. And I'm excited to see what he does for this, this offense. Um, and then the last change in the starting lineup and it's an interesting one. Uh, Andrew Coe starting at 15. Now, Derek, this is an interesting choice. Now, I think that Andrew Coe should have been should be starting in this game because he's probably been one of the bright spots in Canada's World Cup so far. He's the only try scorer. I'm just very interested in why they put him at the 15 jersey when we have a bona fide 15 who's been playing well in uh, Theo Sauter. I know he's just a call-up, but does it not make sense to give someone like Jeff Hassler a break, put Andrew Cohen at the 14 jersey, and then have Theo Sauter? Because Parfait got banged up in that last game. So, you know, does that not make sense, or are they just worried that putting two young guys in, the, in that back row is just going to cause too much chaos? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, 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 think, I think you make some good points and stuff there. I think it's also interesting that uh, Shane O'Leary and Giuseppe Dutrois are the um, the two backs that are in the reserves, um, other than uh, Jamie McKenzie at scrum half as well. Um, but just yeah, like I think I think for on one hand, like Cole coming off the bench has been great. He does have the only try. Uh, Cole coming off the bench, yeah, he does have the only try at the tournament for Canada as well. Um, so, and then maybe, you know, maybe he's has just kind of played his way to kind of earn that shot. Um, it'd be interesting. Like, I don't know. I think looking at this lineup, I'm kind of interested to see what the lineup for Namibia on Saturday night is going to be. Um, just because it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of like Ardron still here. Uh, uh, DTH is still in the lineup. Um, so it's like, there's a lot of the, like the true starters are like you know the like four through four through eight right now is the possible like Olmstead Bailey Rumble Heat and Ardron is the best possible uh the best possible engine room to back row that we have um due to injuries and stuff so it's uh so I mean if they gotta like you know kind of come back and turn it around uh you know turn that around in uh just four days to play Namibia so like that'll be kind of interesting uh, DTH, uh, Hearn, Trainer, Hassler, Co. Um, it's like that's probably the best that we have available, unless you want to go back to Parfray at 15. Um, so I mean, I don't know, maybe they're resting Parfray for Namibia um, as like a game that they're kind of targeting to win. Um, but you know, it's tough to say even if that's kind of the plan because you know, you still have like basically every other major starter is still in this game. Um, so, you know, other than, like, McCrory and Parfrey are the only two guys that are missing from the back line um, that uh, typically start. The, 
the the front row um, has kind of been rotating and alternating a lot, so it's kind of tough to really read it too much into that. But basically, from four to fourteen, it's essentially the it's it's essentially Canada's lineup, like the ideal lineup. Mm-hmm. So um, that'll be that'll be interesting to see what comes out uh, from Namibia uh, because that is a game that apparently Canada was targeting to win. Um, but uh, so and they got to play that on four short days of rest. So. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, Theo Souter not starting. I don't know. It's I think I think Coase played well. I think I think Coase played well, and I think he could deserve a start. I kind of tend to agree with you. It's like maybe you could have just thrown him on the wing, um, especially since like on the bench is uh, O'Leary and Detroit, which probably like which neither one of them play fullback, so it probably means a guy like Peter Nelson. Um, it's going to have to play the whole game. Um, well, I think I think one thing, one point you're just making there is the bench selections for the backs is also very interesting as well because you know your two most important players in your backs are your wingers. I mean, they're the, your most talented for Canada. DTH and Hassler really are the ones that are really going to be driving a lot of the offensive yeah. chances for Canada. And I find it strange that they don't have a sub to come on for one of them uh, i mean like you could maybe make the argument that you could put co on a wing and want sub one of those guys off and then throw uh nelson at, at uh, 15 and then put o'leary at 10 like you could make some kind of switching around to make that work yeah but uh and then and then maybe throw uh in for i know trainer also has played some wing i mean he played in the u.s game on the wing so you could also do that. So there is a little bit of finagling, but I mean, this is a personal preference, but if you're going to have a sub, they should just be switching one guy off because I think that if you're in a mindset of, I'm going to be playing wing, I'm going to be playing wing. Oh shit. Okay. Hassler's coming off now. I got to go play, you know, fullback or sorry, Co's coming off. I got to play fullback, you know, like I feel like that's a lot of mental gymnastics that Canada's making them do. Uh, and I mean, I understand why they're doing it because you're putting your best lineup forward. But I mean, in this game, is mm-hmm. Detroit going to have any more of an impact than Lloyd would or Souter? Yeah. I mean, like that's you Maybe, can throw oh, you can throw throw uh, Lloyd out there, and that way you can sub off Hassler or you can sub off DTH. I know DTH pointed out way before this tournament began that he he wanted to play in this this game because he he was born in south africa he has south african roots he wanted to play in this game it's also the uh he becomes like the most the most uh world cup games for a canadian yeah. too so it's uh like you got the milestone and it's against south africa so i mean i i feel like like there's no way dth isn't playing in this game and he's probably oh, yeah. playing he's probably playing all 80 minutes all too, based Which... on the, the bench selection and that's the thing is that's what scares me is like that is running a risk of hurting him when their game against South, uh, against against Namibia is in, is on uh, Sunday, like does that not yeah. just give you concern? Like that's that's a scary prospect it's, of losing age. Yeah, like I think, but even even with that, like it's it's Canada's. This is like a very like a, it's a strong lineup from Canada. Um, tr- like even that, like if what if like I mean you're saying you're kind of saying that. But like, if Hearn or Trainer or Dutois also gets hurt, like there's there's no centers for Namibia. 
because like we we already lost to like that's why it was here yeah. in the first place. Yeah, um, and you know, uh, and to be honest, like I really like Giuseppe Dutois as uh, you know, he's a really good center. Um, he he had a really strong MLR year. He sees the game really well. He would like call some plays and stuff for the arrows from uh, the inside center position. Um, so I think like he's he's definitely like a valuable player to Team Canada in this situation. Um, oh, yeah, but, I'm not knocking. But, I'm not knocking Detroit. I mean, I I was a supporter of Detroit. I wanted him to be included in this roster. I'm just saying that if when we have a, a, a game that's coming up that's so close in Europe, two playmakers are wingers. It would make more sense to me maybe either taking O'Leary out then and then putting in a winger. Like it just it just. I feel like the lineup just isn't as optimized, but I guess that's what happens when you're Canada. You just have to deal with that, right? Like that's yeah. Just I think I think I think the the other thing is though too is it's like like I mean you kind of look at the this what South Africa has done, um, and I mean South Africa with this looking at the lineup that South Africa's performed, they're clearly like they're they're looking past Canada, um, like they're like this this we win this game. Apparently, they haven't learned things from playing Japan at the last tournament. Um, so they're kind of like, um, but it's, if you do kind of look at their lineup, though, it's like, there's a lot of, um, like, you know, for example, Kobus Reinick. Um, he's like the, the third string scrum half. He's getting the start in this one. But the thing, like, with, even with what they did, like, even if, you know, Kenna is kind of on the verge of, you know, pulling off a miracle or something here, their bench is their, like, first team coming out. So yeah. it's like... I mean, if you can even if you can get like even stick around in the game, like they're like if you kind of like look at the bench that South Africa is putting forward versus the Canadian bench, it's just like it just it's the difference in depth between a tier one nation and a tier two nation that didn't have a pro league up until last January, <laughs> right? So like it's or a pro team up until last January, um. So it's like the, like it's for if you're Canada, it's you know, like these are your best players, so play them, I guess. Um, but it's like there's just it's the depth. If you had teams like South Africa and New New Zealand or England, it's like they have more, like they have more players that um, can play at this level. And it's like the gap between, you know, the starting guy and the third guy is a lot less than what it is on a team like Canada. I think it's a good point. I have one more question about the lineup, and this is one that I feel like we're going to get this answered pretty quickly by after this game and, and when Canada posts their next uh, lineup. But Phil Mack, up until the Pacific Nations Cup, was Canada's scrum half. And that's what everyone expected, that he was going to be the scrum half, this was going to be his last hurrah, and then he was going to ride off into the sunset. You know, he is in the Phil Mac of a few years ago. He didn't. He doesn't have as much of the pace and and energy that that he his energizer energizer bunny self once had. But does he have an opportunity now to win the scrum half position with a good game against South Africa? Because frankly, I haven't been impressed with McRory. Pundits haven't been impressed with McRory. Fans really haven't been impressed with him. No. And part of that could be. The, the system that Jones wants McCrory to play. Yeah. I think that's that, that it also comes in a big part of it, but too many times have we seen write-ups being done about Candace post games and it's been 
McGrory was too slow in the breakdown. McGrory was too slow playing the ball after a line out in a mall. Is this Phil Mack's chance to say, listen, I can offer a different style of, of play? Or is it written in the sand, this is the style of play we're going to go with and McGrory's the best option? Um, I I don't know, man. I'm not... Uh, I think there might be a little bit of you know a little uh, a little bit of both there. I think I think on one hand I think Mac um, is probably a better scrum half than McCrory, but I think I think like McCrory I th- is I think McCrory's Kingsley Jones is a guy. I think you know with everything that you know like you said it's like there's there's been a lot um, kind of criticizing his selection um, with you know obviously with him not being a pro um, you know with no, maybe the way he plays the game uh, gets criticized a little bit too. Um, but I think like some of the things, like some of the issues that I think people have with McCrory, myself included, like the, you know, it kind of always kind of gets ripped on that he box kicks way too much. Um, and to be honest with you, with the, the amount of times that Canada uses a box kick, that McCrory uses a box kick, if he, like, it has to be, in my mind, that has to be a coaching decision. Like uh, like an actual strategic thing that Kingsley Jones wants to do because if if it's not like if it's not and he's box kicking away that much, um, he would probably be taken out of the game and somebody else would be there. Um, but I think you know, like you know it's one of the the elements of that that's been frustrating is to hear other players like Tyler Ardron um, repeatedly saying things like we need to cherish possession, we need to you know make sure we hold on to the ball a little bit longer, and then you go and watch. You know, Canada turn a ball over against the All Blacks, and the first phase is a box kick to, you know, Bowden Barrett that he just runs straight <laughs> back through you, and it's like, uh. and it's like, dude, you like, and it's like sometimes it's like, man, you might as well just like call, call him over and be like, hey, man, here's the ball, enjoy. Um, but you know, it's like there's there is those those frustrating moments, but I think that's honestly like partly a coaching decision and. Uh, because why else would you be box kicking away this much um, if your coach wasn't telling you to do it? Um, and I think, and I don't know, it'd be interesting to see how Phil Mack plays this game. Um, I really do want to see Canada holding on to possession a lot more, um, especially against the Springboks. Um, like, if, if you get the ball, just don't don't just give it back. Um, it's just going to be the same thing with the All Blacks, right? Like uh, Guys like Nikasi, Gallant, Willemsey, um, they're they're gonna burn you if you like just kick straight to them and the kick chase isn't good. They're gonna make you pay for anything like that. So um, hopefully uh, it would be nice to see uh, like if if Mac doesn't do that um, and plays really well, then maybe you know maybe the coaches kind of look at the game a little bit differently. But you know if it's a coaching decision to be kind of kicking the ball away that much or to have that pace. Um, then I think it's going to obviously be McCrory, but we're, we'll find out tomorrow. And I think one of the things, too, is any of the games that Max come into uh, after McCrory's played, he's played a very similar game. Especially yeah, Especially in the exactly. PNC and, 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 and in the, uh, the, the U.S. game. Like, that's just... Yeah. I, I'd be interested to see if, if he knows that he's got the, a majority of the game to play, if he's going to try and play a little bit more of his style. Yeah. Than McGrory's, and or if if he knows that his players have already been playing a certain style of rugby, he'll try to keep it similar to it. So it will be very interesting to see tomorrow, and that will be one of the things that we will keep an eye on. That's for sure. One other interesting thing too, man, and like I'm really curious to see when when Shane O'Leary gets into this game, like with the actual time, yeah. 
if it's halftime, if it's before that, because I don't like. I think I like, I don't know. I, I think it might have been like that might have been an interesting decision to have O'Leary start at ten and then have Nelson come off the bench instead, especially since Nelson is a little bit more versatile as a back uh, back you know, as a player in the backs, um, just in case somebody gets hurt or you know whatever other reason you need to take them off for. Um, but so it'd be interesting to see what happens uh, with O'Leary. Um, I think O'Leary. I would have just, you know, through whether it was the PNC or, you know, the Leinster USA game, like the build-up games and the first couple of games of the World Cup. And it's just kind of like, you know, the one, I guess, the one natural fly half, um, the guy that led the RFU championship in scoring has just been, you know, sitting in a press box for uh, most of his time with Canada. So uh, it'll be, uh, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see when he actually comes into this game and then how he actually performs um, just just because I'm interested. I'm interested in what, as well. And the one thing I'm worried about with O'Leary is if Canada doesn't have a lot of possession, he's not going to really be able to show his, his, his skills. So that's yeah. what I'm worried about. Uh, and, and then Kings well, Jones is going to be like, see, I, mean, I that, told that, you. That, yeah. I mean, well, that ties back to our other thing though. It's like, you're not, you're never going to have a lot of possession. If every time you get the ball, you kick it back. To it away. Very, very good point. All right. So we are now going to move on to our next topic, and we're actually going to be switching codes uh, with a little bit of Toronto Wolfpack news. And uh, if anyone's not a big uh, league fan, uh, you can you can walk away, go get a drink or whatever. Uh, but the Toronto Wolfpack won the million pound game to to secure a berth in the Super League. Now this this is big news because this is something that they tried to do last year and failed to do so. Um, after going down into the second half, being down four to six, the Wolfpack uh, just decided to turn on the, the, the gas and uh, come back and win 24 to six. Uh, I watched this game um, and also listened to it on a, on the drive. Uh, it was a very entertaining game to watch. Um, and then suddenly Derek and I talked about, uh, Derek, why did you think that this game was so entertaining for us as Lisa's fans. Yeah, like I mean, it's the the one thing is like I'm I'm very excited for the Wolfpack and for Wolfpack fans. Uh because, you know, the one thing with this with the Wolfpack when they were in League One just like murdered teams. Like sc- the score when they were in League One would be like they played playing like seventy nothing games. Um and you know when they got to the champ uh, the championship last year it was a little bit of the same thing. The score was maybe a little bit more even. Um, when they got to the Super 8s, obviously going up with some Super League teams, um, the scores kind of, like, the games got a lot more entertaining because the Wolfpack were competing with teams that were on their level. Um, unfortunately, you know, in the Million Pound game last year, London got the better of them. Uh, the very narrow 4-2 win, which sounds way more like a hockey game than a rugby game, but that was the score. Um, and, you know, but... And then it came back to this year. And this year, you know, they had a couple bumps on the road early in the season. But for the most part, especially when they've been at home, it's been they've been kind of coasting. It's, you know, they've been blowing out teams. Um, it's like games haven't been necessarily super competitive all the time, um, which was probably the best part about this game is that, um, you know, it was it was actually it was really tight. Featherston. Uh, managed to stay in the game um, 
throughout the entire first half, they went into half, um, you know, they played like the first 20 minutes. They were just kind of like, you know, kind of like, I was maybe feeling each other out for the first 10 minutes or so. Um, but, you know, Featherston's defense was doing really well uh, to keep the Wolfpack out of their end. Um, the Wolfpack were kind of doing the same back to them. Uh, Featherston eventually, uh, you know, pounced on a uh, Liam K misplaying, um, a, a kick into the into the Wolfpack's uh, try zone, and the, they pounced on it to take a six nothing lead. Uh, the Wolfpack answered back quickly with a Macron try um, to bring it back to six four. But you know, Featherston went into halftime with a six four lead, um, which is a situation that the Wolfpack aren't necessarily in. But it adds like it just added a lot of tension to the game. Um, the fact that you know the Wolf the Wolfpack didn't score first. The Wolfpack were losing at halftime. Um, I mean, they came out at halftime and played played a lot better. Um, Blake Wallace was a big uh, big boost at the half uh, when he came out at the half, um, and it you know they it ended up being a very very entertaining game. Um, and you know, like the Wolfpack kind of scored an insurance try late in the game that kind of like with up I think it was like with seventy in the seventy second minute or something like that. Um, and you know, at that point, it was kind of like all right, this is probably too big of a lead for Featherston to you know, to come back. But like up until that, that try that did extend it to, uh, you know, to 20 uh, to 22 points, it was up until that point, it was like, you still kind of had that Featherston, Featherston can come back um, sort of feeling to this game, uh, which is something that, you know, the Wolfpack have played rugby, uh, uh, been, been part of the uh, RFL for three years. And there's only really a few games where you actually kind of got that tension um, so it was just, it was really nice to see that back and, you know, going next year, if they're going into super league, um, they're definitely not going to be winning games 60 to nothing in super league. Um, so I, I think even if they end up losing some of them, um, or even if they end up losing more often than they win, I think it's just, this was clearly a team, um, especially if you actually look at the players on the roster, clearly a team that, uh, was playing um, below their level. Um, so it'll be nice to actually see them playing at their level. Um, even if that means, you know, we're not playing, for the, they're not playing for a championship or something next year. But um, I think even if you lose a couple, um, if, you know, if the games are all around like 30 to 28 or something like that, they're going to be, regardless of what side the Wolfpack fall on, it's overall, it's a lot more entertaining than 60 nothing. Yeah. And a couple interesting things about their, their opponents, Featherstone is, you know, unlike Toronto, this Featherstone team isn't fully professional. Um, you know, there some of these guys have to go to work after these after you know on, on the Monday, um, and and it's it, it's interesting that they actually have a very strong relationship with the Leeds Rhino team, which is a Super Rugby team. You know, their head coach is an assistant coach with Leeds. Uh, Featherstone's team is is basically a, a minor league team to. Uh, to uh, Leeds where they uh, kind of have a lot of their younger players playing for them. So it was very, very interesting, very cool to see them give a, a tough matchup against Toronto. Uh, but this game, this game was actually uh, quite uh, successful in terms of a business standpoint. Uh, it was a sellout crowd of 9,974 fans. You kind of wish maybe they could just yell out into the crowd, find 26 of your friends and we'll give them free tickets just to get to that 10,000, which would have been pretty cool to say. Uh, but I'm sure, I'm know, sure. Uh, uh, I mean, if you, uh, they, I'm sure they, they gave out a few more than 26 free tickets. Yeah. And, and so what I want to ask you, Derek is 
what can the Wolfpack, either as a, a team or as a business, bring to Super League? Because there's lots of talk about uh, what does the Wolfpack bring, and, and I think I have an opinion about what they do bring. And But I want to hear from you. What Coming into Super League as a new team in the, in the league, what, what can they offer? Uh, I think, well, I mean, one, I think the biggest thing, I think uh, their coach, Brian McDermott, kind of touched on it in his uh, in his interview post game. It's like they can actually bring like worldwide, some worldwide recognition to the league. Um, I think, you know, if you look at some of the teams that, you know, whether like regardless of the actual division, it's like there's some like super small towns um, that are represented in, in throughout the RFL. And that's that's great. Um but like it's tough to market to like other people when you're like, yeah, it's like this is the you know a team from Featherston, which you know if I if if the RFL didn't exist and the Wolfpack didn't play against them, I would have no idea it was a place. <laughs> um, so it's like I think like you know and the, there was some things that it's like they had that that whole thing with the Swinton Lions earlier this year where they were you know they tried to change their name to the Manchester Lions and then people got so angry that the owners quit um and i guess they're going to go back to the Swinton Lions and i guess they will and i will still have to google swinton to figure out where that actually is um but at least i mean manchester is a city i've heard of though so it kind of gives you um like it gives you some of that recognition i think like the RFL would would do well to actually kind of you know, have to, like try having some teams in, uh, or at least if they're not necessarily in bigger teams, borrow like the NHL thing and be like, it's not the Kanata Senators, it's the Ottawa Senators. It's like just go with like the next, like the biggest city next to you. So I mean, I think there's kind of that. I think, I think too for Super League. I mean, rugby league as a whole is a bit of a die, like kind of, you know, it's obviously the less popular code. It's got some of its own. Uh, don't really want to call it a dying sport, but like it's, you almost it's, did. You almost, I almost called did. it a dying. Sport. I almost did, yeah. But I, like I kind of almost did, and then I thought I don't know if I really want to say that because um, I don't know if it's. I, I don't really think it's dying, but it's just it's definitely less popular. Um, so I think, like you said, it's like the Wolfpack can you know having having a team on a diff, like uh, like in a city as big as Toronto. Um, if you know, could, could definitely help at least like the, the recognition uh, that that of the sport, um, at the very least, um, it can it brings that to it. Obviously, um, I mean, from like I guess a business standpoint too, um, the Wolfpack apparently aren't getting any money from the RFL, so all the other teams get to split that what the Wolfpack would be getting from them. Um, so I guess they definitely shouldn't complain about literally anything that the Wolfpack do next year um, because they are literally getting more money just because the Wolfpack exists in Super League. Um, and uh, so, I mean, it's uh, it'll be... I mean, I think they kind of bring that too. Um, you can't... like I think some of the Super League sometimes... I think the RFL can sometimes be their own worst enemy. Um, with some of the decisions that they've been making over the past year, especially like around like the Challenge Cup and uh, and things like that, you know, trying to make teams pay to participate in the Challenge Cup. Um, so I think sometimes they're kind of like their own worst enemy. Um, and, you know, so I think like there's a lot of like marketing things, stuff that have to change in order for it to become more popular. Um, but, you know, I think having having a city, like just have, being able to say you have Toronto like in your league, I think, 
I think just that the name recognition alone can help him. Because even you know, if, even if it's just you know visiting like fans in England want to come out just because they hate them so much that they want to go and boo them, then hey man, those butts in seats and you know that's something that you don't have a whole lot of right now. So if the Wolfpack can bring more of that, then it'll be good. And I think that you know things like er, uh, co-founder Eric Perez bringing a team to Ottawa in 2021. Yeah, you know, another be- group, another group is looking to install a team in New York. There's talks of other European uh, major cities wanting to open up uh, at teams. That that's that's what you're right. I think is Toronto is going to bring in an international scale. That yes, it is going to cost a little bit more money, and yes, you are going to seep some of their talent away from the UK. And uh, they the the Wolfpack are a mercenary team. Like it's true, there isn't a talent of rugby league players that are chomping at the bit to to play here in Canada. That's just how a startup team works. That's just, we're not yelling at Seattle to only get guys from the Northwest of the United States to start their professional hockey team. Not going to be feasible. So fortunately, that's how it works, but it's going to provide a new, exciting product. I mean, you look at how Toronto runs their their day-to-day optics. It's fun. It's exciting. There's mascots. It's great for families, but it's also a great party scene. After the game, DJ stays for a little bit longer, so you can just have another drink and enjoy. Like that's that is exactly what you want from an entertainment product. And if some of these other uh, teams, like you, you've seen the York Knights and the London Broncos, do a good job of that as yeah, well. Yeah, kind of stealing that idea. Yeah. Which, which you know what. That's great. Yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah. You want that to happen. So they need to get on board with that type of mindset. It's not just something that you can advertise to old white guys that used to play in the day when they went to private school. It's something you got to advertise to everyone. It's an entertainment product. You know, rugby league is fun to watch. It's fun. So advertise that. Market that. Ship it off. But uh, the last question we're going to go on about the Wolfpack is, uh, you know, this is the accumulation of success for them. But for you, Derek, what was your favorite memory as a Wolfpack fan? I, I mean, I think like a lot of people uh, in Toronto, they didn't really, I didn't really watch rugby league before the Wolfpack uh, were announced and showed up. Um, so I just kind of like, and I mean, obviously, like I played union in high school. I played some union club union as well. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, as a fan of rugby union as a sport, so it's like, I never really watched rugby league that much. Um, and I think like my favorite Wolfpack memory was just, you know, going to the home opener, uh, the first game that they played in Toronto against Oxford, um, you know, Blake Wallace, uh, scored the, uh, first try on Canadian soil in the RFL. Um, so it was like, that was, it was just kind of really cool to see, see the sport live, um, and, you know, kind of see how entertaining it really was. Um, and, you know, that's kind of like the thing that made me really enjoy watching rugby league was just actually getting the chance to see it live in person, um, for the first time. And, you know, that was, that was a pretty fun game. Um, there was some nice tries. There was a, there was a brawl. Um, and then, uh, so it was, it was a very memorable first game. Uh, you know, I know, uh, brawls obviously aren't too common, but like, you know, the game had a little bit of everything, I guess is what I'm kind of trying to get at. Uh, not the best weather, but it was still like, it was a really good time. I enjoyed it. 
Um, and you know, uh, it, it made me want to go back to more and more Wolfpack games after. Um, but, uh, I, I think to, to me, that's kind of what sticks out as my like absolute favorite one. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, yeah, I, well, I think my, my favorite memory about, about going to a Wolfpack game was uh, actually recently this, this past season, um, you know, we, we, my wife and I decided that we wanted to go to a game because we have actually been to uh, a game every season. And it's something that we both really enjoyed going to do. But unfortunately, when you have a, a baby, it's hard to do. So we made the courageous decision to take her with us. And we were very, very, very nervous about it because we didn't know what to expect. Um, we thought we would be these weirdos that would just bring this baby to a rugby game and uh, much to my surprise, we actually weren't the only people there. And we had, we saw other parents with babies and we saw uh, families with kids there. And it was, a, it was a very welcoming environment and uh, no one really seemed to bother that my daughter was sitting there in a hot, you know, baby camping chair eating her lunch and screaming at the top of her lungs because she was so happy that she was eating uh, lentil pancakes. So it, it was a great uh, environment, and I just remember that because you know, the Wolfpack won easily. You know, I was able to enjoy myself, and I believe it was the Father's Day game, so that was even more special. And uh, it, it just felt like it's such a nice family environment, and I think that's something that gets lost in some sports sometimes is a lot of people want to selfishly keep things for themselves, which is fine, but I think sometimes you just need to remind yourself that it's not just for you. It's for families. It's for, you know, a whole whole variety of people. So we need to be open to that. And speaking to being open about something, uh, this is something that I've kind of actually been struggling deciding if I like it or not. Um, but we're going to go with a little bit of MLR news. Um, it was not officially announced, but kind of announced uh, that the Toronto Arrows will be playing a uh, home game in Las Vegas against the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Derek, Houston Sabercats. Yeah. Derek, how do you feel about this game? Because I've got, I've got an opinion about it like I do about most rugby things, but how do you feel about this this game? Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I, I love this idea. Um, I know there's, there's a handful, there's a lot of, seems to be a decent chunk of people that uh, maybe maybe aren't completely on board with it. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it seems like there's a couple of people that aren't like completely on board with it, but I think the thing that makes the game cool is I think there's going to be, uh, I believe three to four games, uh, that'll actually take place in Vegas on that weekend. Um, rugby United, New York versus the Austin herd, uh, Utah warriors versus the new England free jacks. Uh, and the one game that I haven't really I'm not really sure if it is happening is uh, the San Diego Legion versus uh, the Glendale Raptors. Um, so uh, I just haven't seen one way or the other if that's ever actually been kind of confirmed to have been happening. Uh, Rugby United New York has kind of has been the, room, uh, the rumors that were started by that sports business article that they were going to be playing a game in Vegas. Um, they have a TBD location. The Utah Warriors specifically said in their um, their uh, announced schedule announcement that they're playing the New England Free Jacks in in Vegas. 
Um, and then, yeah, uh, the Toronto Arrows will be part of that as well um, on the Sunday. So we got like, it looks like two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Um, but to be honest with you, I think what I, I do really like this idea. Um, if, if I, if, if it does end up happening, um, the one thing is, you know, despite what the, uh, everybody in the media said, the MLR has not officially announced it. Um, but like, I mean, I'm pretty confident that it's happening. Um, but, um, I guess until, uh, but the only thing that I don't like is that right now is that if it is, if it is happening, they need to announce it so they can start like, you know, people can start saving up to get some plane tickets, uh, they can start marketing to like you know the people in Vegas um, for this event and stuff. So I'm hoping that that can at least come soon if they, uh, you know, if like if they go through with doing it because you nobody's other teams are starting to sell season tickets now, um, and you know no like it's tough to sell tickets to an event if people don't know that's happening. So I think they need to like that's the one thing I don't like right now is you know you got the four games on the schedule. Um, all listed as TBD venues. Let's just, you know, just announce it and start like the marketing push for it. Um, as a whole, though, I do really like the idea. I think, you know, obviously there's a couple of the Utah, New, uh, New York, Toronto, obviously have some issues playing in their own stadiums in February. Um, so, you know, it's kind of it's kind of nice, I guess, kind of breaks it up. They're not playing in front of a hostile crowd. They're playing in front of a neutral crowd. Um, but I do like the idea because it's like I think if you want to try to attract some sponsors and you can invite sponsors out, um, you know, you can get most of the leagues like big players, um, get them into one room, have them all, you know, kind of be there. You can do a bunch of like promotional stuff. You can take advantage of that. Um, but I think I just think part of it, too, is like what a lot of the other leagues, um, you know, like whether it's the big four, the big five, or, you know, even like the NLL or something, what all the other leagues do is something like there's some form of like mid season event that happens. Um, right. Whether it's like an all-star game or whether, you know, it's a, you know, a, a neutrals, like major league baseball's playing a game at the field of dreams next year. Um, there's something like unique that happens in the middle of the season. Uh, and I think, you know, if you can, if you, if they end up marketing it right, uh, you know, to the right people, get a decent crowd, get some of the, um, you know, people to fly out to Vegas and stuff. Um, like it could end up being like a lot of like a really fun weekend. I would hope that they would have some form of like if ticket package, uh, of just being like, you know, you can buy a ticket to all four games for like a discounted price or something. Um, but I think. I think too part of what Brian Ray's article was kind of seemed uh, when he put it out that this was ha- uh, that this is happening. Uh, part of his article seemed to suggest that Vegas might be one of the teams that's kind of in the running for that 14th MLR team. Um, so maybe it's you know it's also you know maybe you can kind of test out the market, see if you know how many people show up to watch some Major League Rugby uh, in February. I think the only thing that that I'm not looking forward to is that's one less game in Toronto mm-hmm. that I could see, which sucks. But everything you said is is spot on, right? Like we need to develop the sports and and areas where they can play all year long. And what yeah. they have had success with rugby in Vegas with the sevens uh, tournament there. I know it, it just got pulled this past season, but listen. 
one of the biggest curling, and I'm bringing this into a uh, curling into this guy. Sorry, everyone, you can stop t- stop listening for a few minutes. But one of the biggest tournaments in uh, curling that's been going on for the last few years, the Continental Cup, is kind of their 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 all star game has been happening in uh, Las Vegas. And if they can have a curling all-star event in Las Vegas, I think we can make a rug, a four rugby games work. I think, guys, we can make this happen. Because, my God, if we can't, this sport is in deep shit if we can't compete with curling. Uh, all I'm going to say about it. Wow, I mean, that's... I don't know. What do you have against curling? Um, it's the I love curling. I I curled in, in college. I curl now. I'm going to be starting curling soon. Uh, I'm just saying. You know what, man? Like, I, if 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 rugby can become half as popular as curling is in Canada, I will be ecstatic. Um, because like it's like I, I mean, you know, you we can talk about like you know, there's obviously a lot of people that maybe don't find it the most entertaining thing to watch, but like that gets like constant national coverage. Oh yeah, in, in Canada, like that's it's like it, it's a huge deal in Canada. Oh yeah, um, it's, so it's, it's if, if 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 we can get rugby anywhere remotely close to curling's level in Canada, I am fully on board with it. Um, but but yeah, I I don't know. I think uh, yeah, I I think if you can, it'd be great to see like if you can make this work in Vegas, um, just because I think you do kind of need some of those like event things. Um, as far as losing a home game goes, um, it's like it, here's the thing with it at this point. Um, the schedule's made, so I don't know if you like that. Like February sixteenth game in Toronto, if Vegas does, if like if we're gonna go with like you know play the whole it hasn't been confirmed yet card, right? It's like like. Wow! Like, do, do we want to sit outside in two feet of snow? Um, people do it. People yeah. go to Buffalo Bill games in January. Nobody goes to Buffalo Bills game in January. That's the playoffs. Nobody goes to Bills game. Okay, but people. Okay, sorry. People go to Lambeau Field in January. <laughs> no, it's it's true, and it's not that I don't think that people would go to it. I just like it's not that I you don't, just think, don't I think, want to do it personally. No, like I I get to sit in a press box, man. I'm warm no matter what. <laughs> Um, I have no problem with any any weather here, um, but yeah, like so it, it would be. Uh, but all, all I'm kind of going with is we had like Major League Rugby. If you do look at the rest of the schedule, Major League Rugby is clearly kind of reserved about having games in some of the northern cities. Um, in some of the northern cities uh, at the early part of the year, there's obviously a few games that have took place last year that were covered in snow, but based on, you know, what New York's home schedule looks like, what Boston's home schedule looks like, what Toronto's home schedule, look, or sorry, not Boston, I guess New England, sorry. Uh, New England's home schedule looks like, uh, Toronto's home schedule looks like, um, they're all kind of, and even Utah's, it's like, they're all kind of like, let's see if we can avoid playing in snow a little bit. Um, so, uh, so I kind of, I think, like, obviously, I think that's what the Arrows game is going to be. But, like, I people, like, I've seen a few things on Twitter. It's like, you, to any of the fans of those teams, like, you're not going to be charged for an eighth game. Like, it's not going to, like, that's not how, like, season tickets in sports works. Like, no other team 
like if an NHL team plays a winter classic game and it like you don't get charged for that. It's not part of like the home game or like if you're playing a neutral site game anywhere, it's like they don't it's like you're not going to have to pay for an eighth game that you can't see. So like you don't don't necessarily worry about that. I think I think one of the things too is you kind of mentioned it about the weather, but it's it's a financial gamble if they did decide yeah. to have the home game in Toronto. Yeah, because exactly. you know you're weighing that how many tickets are we going to sell compared to how much are we actually having to pay for this field, and like, if you don't get enough like, if you don't get enough guys then enough fans out then you know that's a loss right so it's not even that man it's like you can't predict the weather too and it's like. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, 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 like, to me personally, I don't mind the snow that much. Um, like, I, I would totally be the type of person that would go and sit in a rugby game in the snow. But it's also just, like, you have to be able to get there. Um, and if oh, that game's yeah. up at York, like, it, you know, there's the subway line that goes up to it. But you got to have people, Bussing you would have in. to have people bus in or yeah. drive in. And if the weather's bad enough, that makes it very dangerous or hard to do. Um, so, I mean, it's the schedule, like the schedule is made. This game is going like, it's happening. It has, it's going to have to happen in a warmer climate. Um, it's like, I, I hope a lot of people decide to travel to this game, whether, uh, regardless of which one of the eight teams you cheer for, I hope a lot of people do go. Um, it's, it, it, it looks like it's an awesome idea. I mean, I know, you know, like even to borrow like the rugby league comparison, it's very much has like those kind of like magic weekend uh, kind of vibes to it. Uh, you know, just get, you know, all the teams you go play in an awesome neutral site location um, and then, you know, have people buy like tickets to every game, like, you know, passes, you know, a weekend pass that gets you into every game. Um, you can do that. You can do like some, you can like, you can kind of beef up this event if you wanted to, man, have like fan events and stuff at the hotels or, you know, uh, conference centers or whichever. Um, and I think, I think I th the thing that I like the most about this is I think it's like, it shows, I think major league rugby is trying, right? Like they're trying to do something cool. That's different. That hopefully gets more eyes on the sport as a whole. Um, and it's, I, 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 I just want them to announce that it's happening. Um, or, or now that the, now that, you know, there's all the reports out there, like either announce that it's happening or come out with an announcement and saying everybody that said it's happening is wrong. Um, and just so like, you know, teams are going to start to sell season tickets, man. And I just like, you just kind of want to like, you just kind of want to know where the games are actually being played um, in order to actually sell tickets for it. So I just hope, you know, whether it's what I believe is that they're playing in Vegas or that if I am proven wrong, um, I just want to know where this game is going to happen because then, like, you can't market a game that nobody knows where it's going to be. Um, so that's the only thing that upsets me about them playing a game in Vegas. I think it's great for the sport as a whole. Get some more eyes on it. Um, you know, maybe get some of the casinos to come out and start putting MLR on, like, their sports betting docket and stuff um, to actually, you know, try to increase that audience to the game as well. Well, we will see. Hopefully they will announce it soon because hey, maybe someone wants to buy us a ticket to go out and watch. Uh, but that'll be That's it. That's what I mean. Hey, I, if, if I go to this, I got to, like, save money to go to it. 
So <laughs> I would like to know. I, I can add a book a plane ticket. I don't want to book a plane ticket to Vegas and then the game's in like Miami or something. Um, it's <laughs> no, it's not going to the old bait and switch. The old hey Vegas, just kidding, Miami. Yeah. Dude, yeah, I mean, hey, man, my, Miami would be fun. That'd be a fun place for an MLR team. Uh, so, too swampy. Uh, too swampy for me. Too swampy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, that's, yeah, uh, that'd be, that, I mean, the, the terrain, home field advantage, man. You can play in the swamp. It's like Glendale, just like Glendale plays in the snow, you can play in the swamp. It's, um, so, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, why, why don't you said you were kind of on the fence though? Like, why don't you like it? Oh, just for the reason that that's just one. That's just one it's game. Just one that, less home game. I think it's just one less home game, and yeah. it, it sucks because, like, the the Arrows fans kind of got a weird deal last year with the like eight in a row. Eight in a row. Yeah. I mean, I, I I sometimes find it easier for for fans to be able to say, yeah, I can definitely go to more games when they're a little bit more spread out through the schedule. So yeah. then you take one of those away and it's like, well, it's even harder. And I, I understand that there's literally a gazillion more benefits to my one flaw. Yeah. But that's just, you know, I think, I mean, I think, you know, you could, I, I mean, I don't know, like uh, that would be up to the, I think the owners to figure out how to kind of, handle like how they price their season tickets and stuff um i think the th i think the way to do it if you're rugby united in new york toronto arrows utah warriors even the san diego legion if if you're gonna be the home team at one of these games just you know make your season ticket prices to reflect seven games or you know maybe be like in the event that we make the playoffs your playoff tickets you know or keep it the same price that you had it for the eight games or whatever then maybe be like yeah if, if we make the playoffs you get a, uh, a playoff ticket, toss in a free jersey or something, toss in something extra to make up for the fact that there's, you know, only seven games. Uh, do whatever you think is best for your team. Um, but I think if they do this and it goes well, um, then, you know, it won't be a whole lot to complain about. Um, I said, like, uh, with your other thing, too, it's like when it was eight in a row, I agree with you. It's kind of like, you know, some people maybe can't do eight straight home games. So I do like that the Arrows home half of the schedule is actually divided up a little bit, um, which I think is partly they're able to kind of partly do it because of this game. So it's like they only play like the six. Uh, they only play like the six technically road like they play seven road games, but they play six of them. But like one of them's a home game, so they only technically play six. So they get their home schedule broken up by uh, two road games mixed in there as well. Um, so it does kind of, I think it does kind of help with that. Um, and then, you know, people can kind of plan around, plan around like which games they can actually make it to. Um, I think, I think though what you're kind of also looking at is something that major league rugby as a whole does kind of have to sort out um, because it does seem like the part of the reason that they're doing this is to avoid the weather, um, whether that's because snow is a difficult condition to play rugby in, or whether that's because, you know, they're kind of worried that people maybe wouldn't come out, um, you know, in the event of a snowstorm or anything. Do we know what the attendance was of that game in Glendale, the Arrows first Glendale game? Mm -hmm. Like, was that, was it a lot lower? I feel than... like it wasn't a lot. I feel like it was, yeah, like, was it a lot? Is it like seven? Like that's the one thing, right? Snow is a snow as a weather condition makes it difficult to drive. 
um and you know it does and you know sometimes you know we've i mean like i'm sure like we've you know all everybody up here has had like you know days where school gets canceled because you can't the bus can't get to you or you know or whatever the reason is um so but i think it it is one thing that i think major league rugby is gonna have to sort out especially as they've kind of expanded how um you know, now you have teams, you have a team in Utah where it snows, you have a team in Glendale where it snows, team in New York, uh, team in uh, uh, New England, team in Toronto. Um, you can't have five teams um, playing eight home games in a row. It's not how, like, it's not how a schedule is going to work out. So, like, you kind of have to figure out something to maybe kind of do to, because uh, obviously, because you, you either have to, accept that you're going to be playing games in the snow um and if that's the case uh we'll be enjoying uh you know a game on february 16th in the snow um or you or you have to figure out something else to do that takes games out of the snow and i mean short of building a dome a secondary another dome stadium in toronto like i don't really know what toronto can do to avoid snow other than playing uh other than you know playing all their games on the road in the first half of the year which is you know you're gonna have to end up playing new york and new england now so like at some something's got to kind of give there you kind of have to you can't just be you you know you have to play these teams twice you kind of you have to pick do you want the you know a game in new york when it's like even the game in new york is like march 23rd which isn't you know completely out of abnormal for snow to fall on right so um so if they want to avoid that they kind of got to do something um so if it ends up being they're going to play some games in a desert um uh every uh you know for one weekend every year then um they can make it fun well, there you have it, everyone. Uh, we're going to end it tonight there. You know, Canada's got a big game tomorrow, so we need to get our rest. Make sure that we are actually going to survive the rest of the day. Uh, but if you guys want to get into contact with us, we are on Twitter at LaRouge Rugby. On there is our uh, website that has the link to all our uh, archived podcasts and also where you can find our podcasts available on all its platforms. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This next game against the uh, the Springbok will be very interesting.